Assalamu alaikum. Today we have with us Surah Al-Masad. Before we delve into the meanings of this surah, let's first look at the background, the context, and, and why and where this surah was revealed. So this surah was revealed in the Meccan period, when the Muslims were minority, when the Prophet ﷺ was very early on in his mission. And actually this, is, this surah was revealed when the Prophet ﷺ was ordered to, for, for a while the Prophet ﷺ initially was ordered to keep his religion secret, to keep his message secret. And then after a period of time, he was ordered now to share it, but only with his family members, only with a select group of people. So the Prophet ﷺ, in a hadith recorded by Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the, the hadith of Ibn Abbas عنهما, he says, when Allah revealed the ayah, that now you start giving da'wah, start calling your close family members to Islam, he went to Mount Safa. You know the Mount Safa that we go on in on Hajj and Umrah. He went to Mount Safa and he began to call people. He began to call his clan, his 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 own, uh, you know, immediate family, extended family, his clan. He said, "Ya Bani Fihrin, Ya Bani Adi," uh, which are both two clans of the Arabs, Banu Fihra and Banu Adi. And when his tribe Quraysh they started coming around him, um, he said to them, "Araitum." أو أرأيتكم لو أخبرتكم أن خيلا بالوادي تريد أن تغير عليكم أكنتم مصدقي. If if I were to tell you now that there is a, you know an army behind us about to attack us, would you believe me? So they said yes. ما جربنا عليك إلا صدقا. Our only experience of you is that you are a truthful, credible person. So he said, now let me tell you then. فإني نذير لكم بين يدي عذاب شديد. I am warning you in just before a painful punishment is going to come. So Abu Lahab, his uncle, and his name is uh, Abdul Uzza, the slave of Al-Uzza. And Uzza is the name of one of the idols that the Meccans used to worship. Uh, Abu Lahab replies to them, replies to him saying, Tabban laka sa'ira al-yawm, alihada jama'atana. Now, tabban lak is a, is a word like to condemn someone, to really degrade and insult them. You are ruined, you are, you are a complete loser. You're never going to win. What's wrong with you? That's kind of the connotations around tab and lak. Al-Khasara. It's to do with loss and, and ruin. Um, so he says to Muhammad You are ruined. Why did you bring... Is this For this rubbish you brought us here? For this news, this lie you brought us here? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed this surah. Tabbat yada abi lahabin wa tab. Using the same word that he used. Allah says the hands of Abu Lahab are ruined. And he is ruined as well. مَا أَغْنَ عَنْهُ مَالُهُ وَمَا كَسَبُ Neither his money nor his earnings, meaning his children, or his, yeah, his children, will benefit him. So Abu Lahab, as, as in addition to the background of the surah, Abu Lahab as a person is a very severe enemy to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa You know, in other narrations mentioned about him is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would stand in the markets of Mecca, saying to people, قُلْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهُ تُفْلِحُ Say لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهُ and you will be successful. And Abu Lahab would be standing beside him saying that this man is a liar, he is a, he's, a, he's, a com, he's a complete liar, reject him, ignore him. So he, he was almost extreme in his um, kind of uh, harassment of the Prophet and his enmity for him. Not just him, but he was a dangerous duo. He was a part of his wife as well, um, was also somebody who really harmed the Prophet and went out of her way to do so. Her name was Ummu Jamila, which literally means mother of a mother of someone beautiful, mother of the beautiful. Um, you know, because in Arab culture, in Bedouin Arab culture, rather in, in classical Arab culture, and even today, 
um, you would honor somebody by giving them a nickname of Abu something or Ummu something. Father of so-and-so, or mother of so-and-so, Abu Qasim, Abu Bakr, Ummu Ayman, Ummu Abdullah. You, you would, it would be a way to honor them and to you know, call them in a familiar way, like, almost like a nickname. So, um, Ummu Jamila is his wife's name, and what Ummu Jamila would do is she would try and get really thorny um, plants or trees, tree trunks or, or, or sticks, you know, so thorny wood. And whenever she saw the Prophet ﷺ walking, she would try to put it in his path, in his route. Um, and try to harm him physically in whatever way she could. So this, this couple, uh, this, both of these people, Abu Lahab and his wife, are a, group of, uh, are a pair who are constantly attacking the Prophet, even though they are, they are close to him. And Abu Lahab is the brother of Sufyan, عنه, um, the Prophet's companion, Sufyan. The uncle of Muawiyah. So... You have this, this is the background of this surah, and this is the background of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah, reveals this surah purely to condemn Abu Lahab and his wife because of the severity of the enmity of the Prophet and how much distress they caused him. So Allah says, The two hands of Abu Lahab have been, are, are, are ruined. Uh, this first sentence is a dua, it's a supplication, it's a, it's a, it's a request that may his, his hands be ruined. Um, and some scholars, uh, not Sheikh Salih al but some scholars mentioned that this is, his hands is referring to his actions. Meaning, may he be ruined as well, his hands and himself. His wealth, his earning did not help him. And his earnings, meaning his, his children. They will not help him or be of any use to him when Allah's punishment comes or when the Day of Judgment comes. Uh, these little things through which he celebrates and feels a bit of pride and arrogance are not things that will help him on the Day of Judgment. He will enter a fire that is flaming. Now, Lahab, so his nickname, Abdul Uzza, Abdul the, the uncle of the Prophet, his nickname or his kunya was Abu Lahab, father of the flame. You know, that's the way they nicknamed him. And... Um, Allah here says that he will enter a fire that is full of flame, a flaming fire. So Allah uses his name, Lahab, in order to rhyme with his name and also in order to use his name to describe hellfire. وَمْرَأَتُهُ And now not just him but his wife. حَمَّالَةَ hatab. Allah describes her as the woman who used to constantly carry wood, meaning wood and thorny wood in order to hurt the Prophet Allah describes his wife like that. And then Allah says, في جيدها, in her neck, so الجيد is the neck, في عنقها, حبل من مسد, she will have a rope of fiber. Masad in Arabic means fiber. So if you imagine, you know, if you get a, a very traditional rope, you know, old school how they used to make rope, not today, synthetic, you can see loads of little strings. Now, the Arabs used to make ropes uh, using palm tree fiber. And it's a very rough, very, very rough rope. And if you were to tie it around your neck or your arm, it would leave a really harsh mark. So Allah says, around her neck will be, uh, you know, harsh and rough rope of palm fiber that will be tied around her neck. Now, um, those are the meanings of the words, the words of this surah. Now, this surah was revealed before the death of Abu Lahab and his wife. All they had to do to prove the Quran as false. Because this surah essentially condemns them both to hellfire. 
So if this surah condemns them to hellfire, it says that their final destination is hellfire. What do they need to do in order to um, belie the Quran, to make it false? They just need to accept Islam. If they were to accept Islam, they would go to paradise and, and uh, they would not, th that surah would be false, it would be a lie, and the part of the Quran would then be a lie. So all they had to do to disprove the Quran is just accept Islam, even, even just with the words, even just pretend to. Um, however, both of them died as disbelievers. And so this prediction of the Quran, this surah contains a prediction that these two people will die as disbelievers, and they did. They could not disprove the Quran. Here are some points of reflection for Surah Al-Masad. The first one is the graduality of the Prophet da'wah, that it went through phases. That he didn't straight away start calling everybody to Islam, but he started initially keeping his religion a secret. And then eventually when Allah told him, he began to inform his family members. And then thereafter when it became a public affair. And there are multiple wisdoms behind this. Uh, part of the wisdom behind this is um, for the Prophet ﷺ to be himself prepared before he widens his circle of da'wah. Some of us, um, you know, applying this to our own age, is some of us think that we are ready to, uh, you know, make YouTube videos about Islam, uh, as ironic as it sounds coming from me, um, or, or we are ready to go give a khutbah, etc., while knowing a very minute or minuscule amount of knowledge. And it's, it's, a, it's a point of preparation and readiness. Everything requires what's called ahliyya, requires readiness, qualification, credibility before you're ready to do something. And so when the Prophet ﷺ was personally ready for that, for his family, Allah uh, commanded him or ordered him to start giving da'wah to his family. And when he was ready, Allah took it to the public realm. Because when it became a public affair, Islam was heavily attacked, heavily opposed. Uh, Muslims were heavily persecuted. So um, there had to be a slow a graduality in the way that happened. Also, why the family first? This is a, a lesson for all of us in how we uh, try to advise or help those around us. To, for us to focus on those who are in our scope of, of uh, closest to us, those who are within our reach, starting with our family members. You know, not all of us are meant to be uh, du'at, you know, calling everybody to Islam or doing public speaking or things. That requires its qualification, its credibility and its people. But all of us, would, you know, in some way can give da'wah, can advise, help, instruct, teach, educate, inspire the people in our immediate circle, our colleagues, our immediate family, our children, our parents, our siblings. And if anything, the responsibility to be a positive force in their lives is more, is more becoming and more kind of, um, um, it's, more, it's, more, it's more of an obligation on us than everybody else in, in the world. So we should start with those closest to us. Part of what we learn in this surah is that the closer someone was to the Prophet the more proofs that they had seen, um, if that was the case, the more they had seen, the more their disbelief was worth, of, was worth punishment. Um, by that I mean that if somebody had seen a lot of proofs, a lot of evidences um, from the Prophet then their rejection of his message is even more severe than someone, for example, who comes today and who's not seen the Prophet Muhammad, has not seen some of the miracles he performed, and, and for them to disbelieve their disbelief, although disbelief is all of one category, um, it's of differing severity. And hence the differing levels of punishment that people can get in the afterlife, depending on how severe their disbelief was. And Abu Lahab's disbelief and his wife's was one of, of, of quite a se severe standard, which is why Allah spe specifies them 
um, and mentions their punishment in the afterlife. Another point of uh, reflection is how the Qur'an's uh, miraculous nature and its prophecies, the Qur'an predicts certain things in, in, in its text. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala predicts certain things that are about to happen and one of them is Allah predicts that Abu Lahab and his wife will die as disbelievers and how they could not uh, bring themselves to believe even just to falsify the Qur'an is one of the signs of the Qur'an's miraculous nature um, in terms of its prophecies. Another point of reflection for us is for us to think about the Prophet Sallallahu difficulty in, in giving da'wah and how he even faced opposition from his own family members, from his own loved ones. All of us at some point in time in our lives, we face tests from our loved ones. And when it comes from a loved one, it is a lot more difficult than when it is from anybody else. And our reaction to that, our patience with that is inshallah more rewarding as well than if it came from anybody else. But remember that there are many examples of, of this in the Quran, of Nuh alayhi salam, his son um, was a, died a disbeliever. Um, the, the wife of Lut alayhi salam uh, died a disbeliever. Uh, the wife of Nuh alayhi salam uh, as well. Uh, Allah mentions um, in the Quran, Imra'ata Nuh wa Imra'ata Lut kanata tahta abadaini min ibadina salihin fakhanatahuma falam yughniya anhuma min Allahi shay'a wa qila dhkhula nara ma'ad dakhilin that the, the wives of Nuh and Lut, two great prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, both of them died as disbelievers. Um, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's uncle Abu Talib Despite his love and care for the Prophet ﷺ, he died a disbeliever. One thing we take from this, this genre, this series of, of, of examples, is number one, that we cannot guide people just because we love and care for them. Guidance comes from only from Allah. We can only convey. Uh, the other point we take um, you know, from this series of events, from, from family turning against uh, the Prophet ﷺ, and from these examples, is that just because somebody is righteous or pious or knowledgeable, it does not necessitate that their family will follow in suit. Um, in the end, the guidance is up to Allah, and it's up to also how much effort they make in, in, in tarbiyah, in da'wah, in passing on the message, in cultivating the people around them. So uh, this is another a point of reflection that all of us can think about. Now I'll leave it to you to think about this surah, to think about um, the punishment Allah reserved for this man and his wife, and, and the, the, the difficult time they gave the Prophet wasallam. What lessons can you take away from it, and how can you apply it in your life? And this is the last surah in the 20 surahs in 20 day program. I hope you benefited. Anything good I said is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And primarily from the, uh, the, the Sheikh Salih al-Usaymi who wrote this text and who taught this text and from whose explanation I am just repackaging in a different language. Um, I ask Allah to reward the Shaykh and benefit uh, through him and through us, um, many people, and ask Allah to accept all of us. And I hope, since uh, this is being recorded for Ramadan, that all of you have spent a positive, beneficial Ramadan with reminders from the Quran and an explanation of its shorter surahs. And you have, I hope you have found depth and, and beauty in these surahs, not from me, but from the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Barakallahu feekum, forgive me for any mistakes. And um, until we meet next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala. Wa barakatuh.